Chapter Fourteen. You can't always get what you want, but if you try, sometimes you just might find you get what you need. A famous human named Rolling Stones said that. I thought that it was very wise for a human. From the Earth Diary of Aximili Escaroth Islil. The morning ritual is for normal times. The next morning was not a normal time. This was the day I would die. I am the servant of the people, I said and bowed my head low. The people, the people were billions of miles away. I am the servant of my prince, I said and raised my stock eyes to the sky. My prince, Alfangor had been my prince. He was dead. Now a human, Jake, was my prince, and he had discharged me. I wasn't even telling him what I was doing. The ritual was a lie. I am the servant of honor, I said, and raised my face to look at the rising sun. Honor, to die avenging my brother. I felt my insides quiver. It was fear. I know fear. I felt it often enough in battle, but I'd never gone into a fight I knew I would lose. This wasn't honor; it was running into the hands of death. My life is not my own. When the people have need of it, couldn't I ask the others for help? Couldn't I go to Prince Jake and tell him? No, not without telling them that I had called my homeworld, not without agreeing to tell them everything. It was time for the last words of the ritual. My life is given for the people, for my prince, and for my honor. I drew up my tailblade and pressed it against my throat in the symbol of self-sacrifice. I was breathing hard, as if I'd just been running. My hearts were beating fast. That's different, Tobias's voice said. That's not the ritual you were doing the other day. You didn't step into the water this time. Yes, different. I muttered. I was angry that Tobias was there. You're going to do this, aren't you? I didn't answer. The truth was, I couldn't stand to talk about it. I was afraid, sickly afraid. If I could achieve surprise, maybe I could kill the visser. But he had the body of an Andalite adult, a full-grown male. The visser was also more experienced than I was, and he would have guards. There would be Horkbajir nearby. Kind of cold-blooded, isn't it? Tobias asked. I mean, it's one thing in a battle, but just setting out to assassinate someone. Assassinate! I yelled. He killed my brother. He has humans infested by the handful. He will destroy you all if he can. He will enslave your entire race. I wasn't criticizing. I'm a predator myself. But you could use some help. Tell me where it's happening, Axe. Tell me where you're going to find him. The others will help. You know they will. I can't. I can't ask for help. Jake is my prince now, or was. He might forbid me. Wait a minute. You mean Jake could just tell you no, and you wouldn't do it? What if he ordered you to answer all our questions? Then what? Everyone must have someone over him. That is Andalite custom. Each warrior has a prince. Each prince a war prince. Each war prince has a great leader, 
and each great leader must be elected by the people as a whole. And everyone, no matter how great or small, obeys the law. He could not order me to break our laws. And Jake is your prince. I guess he's mine too, in a way. You know, he doesn't think of himself that way. No, he doesn't. I realize this. Don't you have a duty to tell your prince what you're doing? Yes, so I guess I'm not very good at being a true warrior, I said bitterly. I'm not much good at anything. I don't think that's true, Tobias said. Tobias, I have to do this. You promised to keep my secret. Will you break your promise? Tobias said nothing for a while. I won't tell anyone, he said at last. And you won't follow me? I won't follow you, Tobias said. After. I mean, if I don't return, just in case. Tell the others that. That I'm sorry I could never tell them everything. There is a reason. Yeah, no doubt, Tobias said bitterly. Well, good luck, Axeman. I ran then. I ran and ran and ran. It was miles to the secret place where I would find Visser 3. I wanted to run the whole way, to run away from my own fear by heading straight toward it. It's what Alfangor would have done. Alfangor, the great hero. Alfangor would live on in everyone's memory as the perfect warrior, the shining prince. If I was lucky, someday people would say, Ah yes, Aximili broke the law but he finished off the abomination. I would get points for that. People would say I had done well in the end. Others would say, What other choice did he have? He was dishonored. It wasn't courage that sent him against Visser Three. It was merely despair. And still others would say, He was just a young fool trying to live up to his great brother's legacy. Poor thing. I ran and ran till my chest ached from breathing the heavy air of earth. I ran through dried leaves and rustling pine needles. I jumped fallen, rotting logs and skirted patches of brambles. I ran past trees that did not speak, like the trees of my own world. Each time I pictured being face to face with Visser Three, I went even faster, trying to outrun the fear. I was far from any human homes now, far from human roads deep within the forest, old forest full of shadows and gloom. But at last, I saw the sun shining on green grass just ahead, a meadow right where Eslin's note had said it would be. I stopped running and gasped for breath. I leaned against a tree and tried to recover my wind. My legs were shaking from a mixture of exhaustion and fear. The meadow was beautiful, green grass and tiny flowers in yellow and purple. I would have liked to feed there myself. I crept toward the meadow's edge, always keeping within the shadow of the trees. I saw nothing unusual. No bug fighters. No hork No Visser Three. Just the wildlife of Earth. Two deer grazing. Squirrels racing up and down the trunks of trees. A skunk waddling boldly past. It would be an hour before the time the Yurk Eslin had given me. I had an hour to plan and prepare, now that I saw the ground we were on. 
I looked at the meadow. A stream, perhaps three feet across, cut the meadow in half. The grass grew tall by the stream bed. I tried to guess where the visitor would run. Would he go to the left or the right? I would only get one chance, so I had to guess right. I imagined where I would go if it were me. Visser Three was in an andalite body. Maybe he would move like an andalite. I stepped out into the blazing sunlight and walked to a place I thought would do. It was beside the small stream, a place where the grass was a bit shorter and where it would be easy for Visser Three to step into the stream. Then I saw them, the hoofprints, andalite hoofprints. Visser Three. Yes, he had been there, perhaps a few days earlier. Eslin was right; this was the place. I had to wait, concealed, ready to attack at the right time. I could never hide in my andalite body, but there were other options. The rattlesnake—that would be the morph to use. What better way to strike suddenly than with the body of a snake? I focused my mind on the snake. I concentrated on the change. I felt it begin almost immediately. It was unlike any morph I had done before. Usually, my legs would become some other type of leg. My arms would become some other type of arm, even if they were only fins. But this time, there were no arms, no legs. Nothing of my own body would find an echo in this new shape, except for my eyes and tail. My legs simply melted away. Withered, disappeared. I fell to the ground, a legless stump. My arms shriveled and evaporated. I heard the sound of grinding inside my body as all my bones melted together into my spine. I was shrinking, but since I was already lying on the grass, it didn't seem as extreme as it sometimes did. The stalks of grass grew higher around my head, and the purple flowers grew larger. But there wasn't the usual feeling of falling as I shrank. What I did feel was a terrible sense of utter weakness. I had no arms. I had no legs. But my tail, ah, that I kept, although in a very different form. The blade of my tail suddenly broke up into a sort of chain. There were dozens of raspy blisters, all connected. The rattler's tail. My fur disappeared very swiftly, and over my bare skin. Scales grew, like tiny interlocked armor plates that formed a pattern in brown and black and tan. I grew a mouth, a huge mouth for the size of my body. I was a tube, and the open end was my mouth. It was a shocking body, a bizarre body, stranger even than morphing an ant or a fish. I was a creature with no separate parts. My andalite stalk eyes went dark. A large, amazingly long, fast-moving forked tongue grew in my mouth, but it wasn't like a human tongue. The tongue's sense of taste was beyond anything a human tongue could ever achieve. This tongue tasted the very air. And then I felt the feature I had been waiting for: huge, long, curved fangs, fangs that were each a tiny, hollow needle. Above them, poison glands grew and filled with toxin. I felt the snake's mind emerge beneath my own awareness. It was not a hot, driven mind like some animals. It did not overwhelm me with fear and hunger. It was a slow, calm, deliberate mind—the mind of a predator, 
a hunter, a calm, deliberate killer. And the senses. The lidless eyes saw strange colors, but they gave me a good range of vision. The tongue which shot out from a slit on the bottom of my mouth taste-smelled the air. It brought me an incredible array of sensations. The scent of grass and earth, the scent of insects, and the scent of living, warm-blooded creatures. Just below and behind my snake nostrils were two pits that sensed heat, especially the levels of heat put off by prey. Yes, this was a good morph to use. The viscer would not expect me. The viscer's andalite body was fast, but it was not faster than the snake. I knew that from my own experience. I began to move, slithering through the grass. I moved with sinuous grace, easily, silently. I followed my tongue. It shot out and back, again and again, sensing, smelling, tasting. I felt the rattler's mind with my own. It was unafraid. It had no honor. It had no friends to worry about, no family to disappoint, no laws to break. It felt no loneliness. The snake had always been alone. I settled into the grass and waited, patient, motionless, counting off the minutes in my head. And then I felt the vibration of earth beneath me, the vibration that was the sound of a bug fighter landing, then another, just two, not far away. It was time. The Yurks were coming. Visser Three was coming. And as I drowned my fear in the calm lake of the snake's predator brain, I prepared to kill. And to die. Chapter 15 I smelled him long before I saw him. I smelled andalite flesh. The Yurk that was the real Visser Three the yurk inside the andalite body, I could not smell. Spread out! Visser Three ordered. His thought speech was loud, open, to reach his soldiers. You, watch the tree line. You two to the far side of the meadow. Shoot anything that moves. His voice was in my head. I felt churning in a stomach I no longer really had. I tried to squash my own fear beneath the snake's calm, but it rose suddenly. I went over the plan. Strike. Escape. Demorph. Go back for the kill. I would have to demorph before the Visser's guards could come to his side, and I would have to hope that the snake venom would slow him down. Then, galloping, four sharp hooves beating across the meadow, my tongue flicked and smelled him on the wind. Yes, he was coming closer. Yes, he would come to the stream. A shadow. He was there, overhead. He blotted out the sun. My snake tongue smell-tasted him. My lidless, always open eyes saw his belly overhead like a curved roof. I felt his warmth. He stuck one hoof into the cool water to drink. No time to think. He could move at any moment. A sound. What was it? Me. It was coming from me. My tail! A rattlesnake's tail! It had sounded its grim warning without conscious thought. I saw the visitor's head lowered. I saw his two main eyes focus. I could read the dawning fear in his eyes. Zap! I struck! My coiled muscles fired all at once. My head rocketed through the air. 
My mouth opened wide. My fangs came down. Strike! Fangs sank deep into andalite flesh. I could feel the venom pumping. I could feel the poison shooting into Visser Three's leg. He jerked. I released. He tried to back away. He was very fast. But I was so much faster. Strike! Pump the venom into him. Poison the monster. Poison the abomination. Poison Alfangor's murderer. I drew back. I could taste my own venom dripping from my fangs. His tail swept over his head, lancing down at me. But I was already gone. The blade sliced deep into the ground. I felt the wind of it as I slithered swiftly away. Demorph! I ordered myself. Still, the visitor had not called his guards. He would be wondering. He wouldn't know how dangerous the snake was. He wouldn't realize at first that it was not a true snake. Then, slowly, he would begin to suspect. I was racing at breakneck speed through the grass. Behind me, my rope body twisted and coiled and released and slithered, but my head stayed level and straight, flying at ground level through the grass. I was twenty yards away when my snake body grew slow and sluggish from the changes. Tiny legs appeared, just stubs at first. Tiny stalk eyes grew from the broad top of my diamond-shaped head. There is a snake! Visser Three roared. Find it! Kill it! I struggled on, heading for the edge of the forest. Then, body warmth, a warm-blooded animal just ahead of me. My tongue flicked and smelled an aroma I knew. Hork-Bajir! Hork-Bajir, the shock troops of the Yurk Empire, a peaceful, decent race that happened, as Marco often said, to be built like lawnmowers. Bladed arms, bladed legs, tearing clawed feet, a slow but deadly tail. They were all controllers, all slaves of the Yurks in their heads. I could move no farther. I was no longer a snake, not yet an andalite and the hork was just a few feet away. Too close. So, I thought, this is how it all ends. My andalite stalk eyes had emerged. I was rising slowly from the grass on my spindly andalite legs. My tail was forming again. I saw the hork and I saw that he saw me. There was nothing I could do. Nothing I could do but die. The hork swung his bladed right arm like a scythe. It would hit me in the neck. Boomf! The hork staggered. His blade arm sliced the air above me. <laughs> a roar, but not the roar of a hork The hork went flying. Seven feet of deadly, dangerous hork warrior just cartwheeled through the air. And where he had been, now, stood Rachel. Of course, not the human Rachel with long blonde hair and cool blue eyes. This was another Rachel. Rachel in the morph of a grizzly bear. The bear was on its hind legs, standing even taller than the hork had stood, with claws that almost rivaled the hork blades, and muscles powerful enough to simply throw a hork ten feet. <coughs> the bear growled wildly. Oh man, I love doing that. Rachel? I asked wonderingly. No, she said in that human tone that meant sarcasm. It's Smokey the Bear. Finish morphing, you antelite idiot. Then let's go kick some yerk butt. I was almost fully antelite again. 
I swept the meadow quickly with my stalk eyes. Visser Three was in the middle of the field. Two Horkbajir were rushing to his side, bounding through the grass. Across the meadow at the far end, a third Horkbajir looked around wildly, with his dragon beam at the ready. He looked in every direction, but up. From the tree above him, something that seemed almost liquid, something orange and black, dropped, claws outstretched. Prince Jake! And in the sky overhead, a hawk wheeled in low circles above the field. Two Horkbajir guarding the bugfighters, Tobias announced. One Horkbajir is in the... Oh, never mind. Cassie and Marco took him down. Visser three and the two Horkbajir in the center of the meadow. Come on, Rachel said to me. Let's go have a nice talk with Visser three. He's my responsibility, I said to Rachel. I have an obligation of honor. Uh-huh, he's all yours. Tobias swooped past, skimming just above the grass, rocketing toward Visser three. You told them, Tobias, I accused him. Yeah, I sure did. I got the idea from you. You're the one who said you had to obey your prince. Well, I guess Jake is my prince, too. He ordered me to tell him. How did you know where I was going? I asked. I never told you. Please! That controller? Eslin whatever? He wrote it down, Axeman. You forget. I have hawk's eyes. I can see a flea on a cat a hundred feet away. You think I couldn't read that note? You make me very angry, Tobias, I said. Yeah, and you get on my nerves too, Axe. But we still have a fight on our hands. Let's go deal with Visser 3. We raced toward Visser 3 and his guards. Rachel, a huge rolling brown tidal wave. And me. Above us, Tobias flew. Just as we drew close, I saw Visser 3 stagger. The poison! The venom! It was working! Visser 3 buckled and fell to the ground. The two Horkbajir quailed. They saw Rachel barreling through the tall grass. They saw Prince Jake, a striped demon, coming from the other side. They saw Marco in Gorilla Morph and Cassie, an eager wolf, teeth bared. Tobias had reached the Visser. He soared past him, and up, 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 into the air, beating frantically. Worst of all, they saw an Andalite, the enemy they feared most. Your Visser is finished, I called to them. You can die with him, or you can run. The hork controllers made their decision quickly. hork can be very fast once they decide to run. The Visser was down, alone, helpless as we came to a stop in a circle around him. He was as helpless as Alfangor had been at the end. I looked up. Why was Tobias... No way! Tobias cried. He drew back his wings and dived at full speed. He plummeted toward the earth at racing speed, killing speed. His talons came forward. It looked like he would hit the ground. Then... No, no, no! Tobias cried. He swooped up and away, back into the sky. Tobias, what is it? I heard Prince Jake yell in thoughtspeak. He bailed! He bailed! The York bailed out! He got to the water! I can't see him! He got away! What? I cried. What happened? He's out! Visser 3! He's out! I saw him warming his way through the grass! It took several seconds for my brain to comprehend. I couldn't make sense of it. It was impossible to believe. 
He left his body? I asked. Visser 3 left his host? He crawled right out of the Andalite head and slithered into the water, Tobias confirmed. There's a fast current. I can't see beneath the surface of the water that well. I can't see him. I looked down at the creature I thought of as Visser 3. But of course, the real Visser was a gray slug, a yerk. This body was the body of an Andalite. The Visser was gone, escaped. The Andalite was breathing, but seemed unable to move. He looked up at me with his main eyes. I have faced Visser 3 before. I had felt the evil force that flows from him. That evil was gone now. There was only an Andalite. The Yurk was gone. Kill me! The Andalite managed to gasp. Kill me before he takes me over again. Please, please, kill me. I felt my heart stop. It was more than I could stand. After years of being controlled by Visser Three, the mind of the Andalite host was still alive. Still aware. I may have already killed you, my friend, I said. The snake. No, you don't understand. Visser Three, he has backup horses ready. They'll be here in minutes. Half a dozen bug fighters. They'll keep this body alive. Your poison is too slow. I, but you're an Andalite. I can't kill you, I said desperately. I can't. He'll take me again, the Andalite said, begging. The Yurks will find him and bring me to him again. Please, I can't live that way. Please, the things I have seen, you don't understand. It's horrible. He tried to raise his own Andalite tail. He tried to bring the blade to his throat, but the venom had weakened him. His tail fell limp. I understand, he said at last, with sadness so deep it burned me to hear. Listen, my name is... What is my name? It has been so long. And the poison... Yes, that's it. My name is Alaron Semitor Karas. I was once a war prince. Someday. Someday if you survive. I have a wife. I have two children. Someday. Tell them I still hope. Tell them I still have love for them. Yes, War Prince Alaron. I will tell them. Do you have any other orders for me? He reached up with one weakened hand. I took his hand in mine. Fight them. They are stronger than you think. They have. They have infiltrated. They are on the homeworld. Fight. His fingers went limp. He fell silent, unconscious. I set his hand down by his side. I knew that the next time I saw this face, it would once more be the face of my enemy. The Abomination. Visser Three. We should get out of here, Prince Jake said. Come on, Axe, Tobias said. There'll be another time. Chapter 16 Give me liberty or give me death. A human named Patrick Henry said that. I wonder if the Yurks knew before they came to conquer Earth that humans said things like that. I wonder if the Yurks knew what they were getting into. From the Earth Diary of Aximeli Escaroth Isthil 
We call it the law of Ciro's kindness, I said. We were in the woods where I live, the woods of the planet called Earth. Two days had passed since the terrible events in the meadow. I had thought a great deal in those two days. I had thought about everything. Then I had asked my human friends if they would join me. What does it mean? Rachel asked. She was standing with her arms crossed. I believe it was an expression of skepticism. It means we are not allowed to transfer advanced technologies to any other race, I explained. It is a very important law, one of our most important laws. You don't want any competition, Marco said. You Andalites want to be able to stay on top. I understand that. But humans are on your side. We're the ones being taken over. Marco, Prince Jake said, chill, let Axe tell his story. Ciro was a great Andalite, a warrior, a scientist. He... He was in charge of the first Andalite expedition to the Yurk homeworld. I saw my human friend stiffen. Tobias flitted to a lower branch, drawing closer. Ciro felt sorry for the Yurks. They were an intelligent species. They used a primitive species called Geds as hosts. But the Geds were nearly blind, clumsy, not very useful. The Yurks had never even seen the stars, let alone been able to leave their own planet. Ciro felt sorry for them. Ciro was a kind, decent Andalite. Oh my god, Cassie whispered. That's the big secret. That's the shame the Andalites are hiding. What? Rachel asked. What's the big secret? Ciro gave the Yurks advanced technology, didn't he? Cassie asked. I nodded. Ciro thought the Yurks should be able to travel to the stars, as we did. At first, it seemed like the right thing to do. But then, a species called the Nahara. By the time we had found out, it was too late. The entire species was enslaved by the Yurks. Then came the Hort-Bajir, the Taxons, and the other planets. Other races were falling to the Yurk Empire. They spread like a disease. Millions, billions of free people have been enslaved or destroyed by the Yurks. Because of Ciro. Because of us. Because of the Andalites. For a while, no one spoke. I knew what to expect. These humans had first seen Andalites as heroes. Then they had come to be suspicious. Now I had just confirmed their suspicions. Now they would see that Andalites were not the great saviors of the galaxy. Alfangor broke the law of Ciro's kindness though, right? Marco pointed out. Yes, but I will take the blame for him. Alfangor was a great hero. His name would be destroyed. I'm a nobody. I have taken the blame. If I help you, and you humans become a new race of conquerors, if you become the new Yurks someday, my people will talk about Aximili's kindness, and I'll be the one who goes down in history as the new example of a fool. I saw Rachel make a small smile and shake her head. Markle rolled his eyes. He said, Man, and I was really getting into disliking you, Axe. I was confused. I expected them to be furious. Instead, they were each smiling. Don't you understand? Your world is threatened by the Yurks because of my people. Prince Jake nodded. Yes, we understand, Axe. A long time ago, someone tried to be nice, and it was a disaster. This Ciro person tried to be a good guy. He hoped all the different people of the galaxy would get along. 
Then we'd all go to the stars together. Yes, and the result was terrible. Axe, you don't stop hoping just because it doesn't always work out, Cassie said. You get more careful. You get wiser, maybe. But you keep hoping. Look, Axe, Prince Jake said. We don't want you to give us any Andalite technology. We don't want you to break your laws. We just want you to trust us. Tell us the truth. Be one of us. You aren't alone, Axe, Cassie said softly. Maybe we aren't your people, but we are your friends. Your boy Ciro wasn't wrong, Marco said. He just hooked up the wrong species. We aren't the Yurks. We're Homo sapiens, Jack. Humans. Andalites want someone to cruise the stars with them? We're the ones. You bring the spaceships. We'll bring the raisinets and cinnamon buns. You'll do more than that, I said. You learn very quickly. Someday you may be greater than the Andalites. No, Prince Jake said. Because whatever we learn, you'll learn. We'll do it together, human and Andalite. Andalite and human. It isn't possible, I said. We are two different species, from two different worlds, a billion Earth miles apart. Axeman? Tobias said. Tell me, what does an Andalite want most? What is it you guys are fighting for? For freedom, of course, I said. And what do humans want most? Tobias asked. Freedom, Prince Jake said. Freedom, Rachel said, nodding her head. Freedom, Freedom, said Marco and Cassie together. Freedom, Tobias said. Different bodies, different species maybe, but who cares? We agree on what matters. For a few minutes, I said nothing. I guess I felt a little overwhelmed. Then I realized something that made me laugh. See, it is happening already. I said. What? Rachel asked. You humans are already teaching Andalites something new. I said. You're right. We fight the same battle, for the same goal. The Andalites on your homeworld may not like this idea, Rachel said. No, they won't. They have their laws and customs. They think they know what's right. If I ever go home, I'll have a lot to explain. Maybe so. Tobias said, But I know one Andalite who would have been proud of you. Are you with us? Prince Jake asked. Yes, Prince Jake, I said. Don't call me Prince. Yes, Prince Jake, I said again. All right, Marco said, rubbing his hands together. Now that that's over with, and now that we are finally all leveling and telling the truth, I think we have one very big question for you, Axe. One huge question that will put our new friendship to the test. One gigantic question. Everyone nodded in agreement. What? I asked nervously. How, how, how do you eat without a mouth? Marco demanded. I laughed. We eat as we run. Our hooves crush the grass and the nutrients are absorbed into our systems. We drink the same way by putting a hoof into water. Ah, so that's what the whole thing is with the morning ritual, when you stick a hoof into the water, Tobias said. Morning ritual? What morning ritual? Rachel asked. Yeah, tell us, Cassie said. Okay, I agreed. I will tell you everything. Everything I know. 
I looked directly at Tobias as I said that. I met his fierce, intense hawk's gaze. I wanted him to understand that I would answer his question as well. The question I knew must be burning inside him. But the question never came. And I heard in my mind an echo of Tobias's words. Different bodies, different species maybe, but who cares? We agree on what matters. Neither I, nor my shorn, Tobias, is capable of smiling. But just the same, there are times when we look at each other, and understand each other, and smile. Epilogue You'll do it, because if you don't, I'll find a way to tell Visser 3 who set him up. I told Eslin, the Yurk trader. I was in the observatory. We were alone, just the two of us. Eslin glared hatefully at me. Andalite scum! You couldn't even kill the Visser! What's the matter? Did he scare you too badly? Just boot up the software, I said. I have a transmission to make. This one time, Eslin, and I will be gone from your miserable life. Do it. It took several minutes for the Z-Space transmission to be established, and it took a few moments more before I was connected to the Great Lyrum again. I won't be able to call again, most likely, I said. I have a message I need sent, to the wife of Alaron Semitor Karas, from her husband. It was kind of nice to see old Lyrum's eyes go wide all of a sudden. See, he knew exactly who Alaron was. What he was. Her husband sends his love. He still hopes for the day when he will be freed. Is that all you have to say, Arist Aximili? No. I have this to say too. You tried to save the Hortbegir and still live by our laws, still keeping all our secrets. But you failed. Do not say what you are about to say, Aximili. Liram warned. Do not disobey the laws of our people. I, Prince Lyrum, these humans are my people now. And sir, with all due respect to the law and to you, I won't let the humans be destroyed as the hork were destroyed. Not while I live. Lyrum's eyes narrowed dangerously. It must run in your family, he growled. You're just like your brother, Alfangor. I laughed. Thank you, Prince. Thank you very much. Hello, Phantomorphs, and thank you for listening to another episode of Audiomorphs, the Animorphs Auditory Experience. As always, this is your host and narrator, Daniel, here with you to talk about how we just finished a book. Congrats to all of us, everyone. Drinks all around. Uh, book eight is done. I am going to be honest, when I started this project, I really didn't didn't think I would get this far, I guess. It was just like a dumb idea, but uh, here we are. We just finished book eight, and that's incredible. And, like, I would sincerely like to thank everyone who's stuck with this and listened to uh, my dumb bootleg audiobook series that I produce and record by myself in my room. That's really kind of awesome that anyone uh, cares about this. Um, so thank you. 
speaking of of um I did get a message this week um from Robin which reads I've been a big fan of Animorphs from the very beginning and it's by far my favorite sci-fi series thanks to your podcast I'm able to enjoy it all over again and this time share it with my sorry uh, and this time share my favorite series with my husband who has never read the books I just want to thank you for all the time and effort that you've put into this it's thoroughly enjoyable, and I'm looking forward to each new episode you make. Uh, thank you so much, Robin. That really does mean a lot to me. Um, I'm glad to have your support. And hopefully we will just be able to keep on trucking until we finish this. Book 8. We're, we're almost into the double digits. That's crazy to me. Uh, but enough reminiscing about the good times. We're looking forward. Um, speaking of looking forward, if you want to hear more of this series, you can find it at audiomorphs.podbean.com or by searching Audiomorphs wherever you would search for a podcast. If you use iTunes, it would be super cool of you if you uh, give me a rating or a review, or I think you have to do both of those at the same time. Um, But I would appreciate those. I read those and uh, it does warm my little heart when I get them. You can also tell a friend about this if you know someone you think might enjoy listening to a amateur production of Animorphs as an audiobook. Uh, you know, spread the word. I'd appreciate that as well. I'd also like to give a shout out to my uh, secondary podcast, OK Crusader, which can be found at shoutengine.com slash OK Crusader, or by searching OK Crusader anywhere you would search for Audiomorphs, really. They're all in the same places. This is a podcast where I bring on guests and we take random pages from the unofficial Marvel fan wiki and then we discuss those characters and how dateable we find them and we debate it and we put them on a list and it's goofy and it's kind of raunchy um, and just all around good fun. So if that sounds interesting, please do go check that out. If you'd like to send, uh, send me something like the lovely Robin did this week, you can send me an email at audiomorphscast at gmail.com, or you can send me a message on Tumblr at audiomorphscast.tumblr.com. All right, it is actually like an hour past my bedtime. I decided I just wanted to uh, get this thing all packaged and recorded and processed before I went to bed because I was already, you know, at the end there, I was at the finish line, so I was like, I'll just push on through. So I need to get to bed. Um, and I will see you all next week. Thanks again so much for listening. My name is Daniel, and I believe one day the Andalites will come. Until then, we fight. <laughs>